This episode of the Boz and Bovril podcast was originally broadcast on the Celtic Rumours TV YouTube channel. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hello and welcome to episode 27 of Celtic Rumors TV, the Balls and Bottle podcast, with your host Mark and myself, Paul. On today's show, we'll be joined by Barry and Michael, where we discuss Speak Ange, Hostel Oco's appointment of Celtic Manager. Firstly, Mark will just go through our weekly show Oh, thanks, Paul. Uh, I'm just making that connect out there. Uh, the usual quick shoot Tim Alloy, Richie Malika, uh, Young Ben. A wee special shout out to John, United Island for the forum. John's been on the podcast a few times and he was a wee uh, walk the West Island. Apparently he's done his knee and he's done a bit of damage to his knee, so hopefully he's back forward soon. I don't think he'll be playing in the football match this, this year anyway. Mm-hmm. That's that ball, hail, hail. So, Barry and Mike, do we have him? Yeah, I'm here. Hello, guys. It's, took, it's taken us 105 days, lads, but we're, we're there, thankfully. Uh, Barry, come to your thoughts. Yeah, finally, we have, a, we have a manager in place. Yeah, well, I mean, it's, it's great to at last say we've got the manager in place. It's taken long enough, but, you know, that's we've been expecting it for the past week or so now. So now that he's, um, you know, he's, he's in position, hopefully he can start his hard work now. He's going to have a, a big job on his hands, you know. I think he said already today that the recruitment process is well underway. So, you know, somebody's driving that and he'll be contributing to that as well. So, yeah, I mean, just glad that finally we can have our manager and we can look forward to, to something mm-hmm. uh, positive, hopefully. Uh, Mike, how do you think he, he handled his first interview as a Celtic manager? I think it was, I think it was one of the best interviews uh of any of the recent managers actually gave. Like I don't know how any fan could actually question anything he actually said if mm-hmm. um and and the way he came I, what I found and I instantly like I don't know what it is and it's no because of Eddie Howe like I was never I, I, when it came to Eddie Howe and just fast everything to be spoken that I just never it's not that I didn't like him, I just never I couldn't take some. Whilst the post the as soon as like well, within about fifteen twenty seconds of the interview, it was I just felt like I just liked the guy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mark, when sorry, started, sorry. When he started talking about like he says the club and like youth and stuff, that just got me excited because Celtic have been missing that for years. Yeah. Mark, do you your thoughts on his first interview as Celtic manager? I know it was through Zoom, but it's still his oh, well, first interview. Certainly said the right all the right things, Paul. I thought I agree with uh, Barry there. I think he thought it was a really good interview. He came across well. I said everything we wanted to hear from him. He said he, he really came out with the way he was going to be running the team and thing about the youth players and things like that. So, I, as I said, I was quite 
looking forward to him coming in. And if I haven't seen that interview today, I'm even more a bit excited about the way things could could hopefully go for us this season. I think Barry too, he recognises uh, what the club means to the fans about what he said, like the, the support goes back generations and the club is a family club. And I think he could really connect with the fans from, from day one when he when he gets started. Oh, absolutely. Uh, and like, in terms of his interview, he seems like he's really excited to be at Celtic. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's mm-hmm. something I'm happy with. You know, we'll not talk too much about Eddie Howe because, you know, he's not our manager, but for me, I got the impression it was like he was doing Celtic the favour. Whereas I think, yes. you know, Post- yeah, I mean, I think I, I Posta Coglu, you know, he's absolutely over the moon to, to be at the club. You know, uh, the way he was speaking today in his interview, you know, talking about the fans, talking about, you know, the history of the club and what it means. For me, right away, he's got a grasp at our football club. He knows mm. exactly what it means. And, you know, he, he, he's been desperate to, to get over in Europe. And I think he feels that he's hit the jackpot and getting the Celtic job, and, and the way I look at it, I think he's going to do all that he can, all in his power, to make it a success. Uh, and yeah, you know, excited, you know, uh, like I say. <coughs> oh, I was just going to say, but, uh, Barry's saying there, even as he, as he said in his interview, his wife will tell you everything with him is just football. She'll be left to explore Glasgow and that, he'll just be concentrating on football. I mean, that's got to be some step up for a guy we had in charge up. They have the new enter. Mm-hmm. Mark, Mark, when do we expect him to be around the, the 14 players and 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 the ground like no kind of start date was given yet? But I automatically think that he's his work begins now and and he's going about who's going to be at the club and who's not going to be at the club and who he wants. Well, I'll tell you, he'll be putting a lot of his time. But he's stuck in a hotel room for 10 days anyway, isn't he? So he's going to be doing a lot of work on these Zoom calls and everything. And working on players and obviously the way he was talking he's, he's watched a lot of our games already for like last season and not kind of he's got which kind of thing yeah, so well, I mean when you read the thing on the official site it says he'll be meeting the team at Lennox Town before they go to Wales so mm-hmm. really the time scales maybe we've kind of we're urgent saying we need for so many happens maybe been a wee bit kind of presumptive Presumptuous, no, that's not the right word. I don't even know the right word for what I'm trying to say. But you know what I mean? We've kind of jumped the gun a bit. We, well, we need this, we need this now. Because he still would he still would only have been doing the same kind of thing. Just what mm-hmm. looking at players or whatever, because the players were finished up anyway. There's not really that much of a difference. And, uh, and Michael, when, when he talked about the use, he said uh, he's a big believer in use. He, he's a big believer in helping them progress to the players. Like this is a benefit to all youth academies as well. That he, he may, he'll actually have a plan for youth system to to accelerate into the first team. Okay, I'll talk to Bob first. Um, what the youth academies and bringing their own players. So, that's also just by mm-hmm. a bias squad. You want to somehow like get through and. Other than I think Carl McGregor and James Forrest coming through, I think Mel would have been the last high profile player at Celtic for these guys, McGeady or something. Mm-hmm. And uh, Barry, he spoke about like he did get Chris that he, he he knows kind of Celtic inside out. He spoke about Kenny Douglas, Scott McDonald, or Colin Pray, Tom Rogers, who he said he knows well. I think he knows exactly what Celtic need, and and he's going to get kind of straight down to us and the way he wants us playing. Oh, without a doubt. I mean, you know what he said. The, the, the said in his interview, he said the first thing that he's going to do is he's going to let the players 
get to know him and buy into his philosophies. And I thought that that's ex- that's exactly where you need to start for Postacoglu. Mm-hmm. You know, before he can do anything, he really needs. That's what he says. He said, "I want the players to know me as a person and want to know the way I play." And that's what he says. You know, I want them to buy into me because that's what you have to do. You know, the players need to be on board. The players need to understand the way he wants them to play, the way he sets up his team. Because if you don't, and if you don't, you're not going to be at the club. So for me, he's saying all the right things. Like Mikey said, he's saying all the right things in his interview today. And by saying the first thing I want the players to do is to understand who I am, who I am as a person and who I am as a manager, I think that's exactly where you have to start. Mark, it's, it's basically like a, a clean slate for everyone. It just know at the club, but one player I... I'm questioning here is is Lee Griffiths like there's rumours saying he was gone the tweet came out with his brother do you think it's up to the manager to have a look at Griffiths before any decision is made or do you think that decision was made already between uh, Big Ange and Donnick and Kai I think maybe they have they maybe have spoke about him but that tweet came out and then it vanished and that was the mm-hmm. I said I think his brother would know what was happening to the same extent you'd think there'd have been like some official I mean every club Releases a list of players that they've released for their contracts and that kind of thing. Celtic mm-hmm. haven't done that so far. I mean, but we all read the stories about the cut-off point was was it end of May, May the thirty-first. The club had to tell him that his full contract was getting re- renewed or no. Obviously, again, that was mere bullshit. Somebody the internet's made up. But yeah, again, to back to talking with Griffiths, it's just if he can get himself sorted out. Mm-hmm. I was reading something about it and he's really not done that much for his uh, under Ronnie Dyla. Mm-hmm. games in that he's played for Ronnie Dyla left. It was quite surprising uh, the article I was reading about it. I don't if he's not going to fit and if he's not going to work hard and get get back to peak fitness, I don't think he'd be part of uh, Angie's plans at all. Mm, I think I don't think he'd be up to the, the style of play that uh, Ange plays, you know, the, the fast flowing games, if, if Griffiths isn't fish, he's not going to be able to keep up, Mark, is he? No, he's got to, do you know what I mean? If he's going to, mm-hmm. if he's going to get out of shape and force his way into the team, he's still got to need to work hard every single day to stay at that position, at that peak physical position. It's a big ask for, for Griffiths. It's a big crossroads in his career for him, Paul. Mm-hmm. And Michael, he talked about that uh, players are already being done for the, uh, identified by the club uh, as transfer targets and work has been underway. We can expect from the club that we're going to see new signings come in, but who's making these decisions? Is it Dominic McCoy and uh, Pascal Oku himself? Well, it's hard to say because we don't know how long this has been ongoing with Pascal Oku. They were, mm-hmm. like I say, we kind of half hope that we talked about it in the past when the, the other manager that basically pulled the plug were kind of hoping that that was done well before that but they just didn't announce it because of season tickets mm-hmm. so I, I would be hoping that Postacoglu has been involved in this for the weeks now like I say and there'll be people within the, the settled hierarchy that will know we, like where we need like but everybody in this forum or on the live chat knows how many players we need players would have been identified months and months ago I like to say, I I I I'm half I'm half expecting a few players. I'm I'm well, definitely expecting at least one player, even by Sunday, to be announced. Like I'm expecting a few big players to be announced shortly. Mhm. Mhm. 
Barry, do you, do you, do you, do you expect that there was work being, being, being done behind the scenes all along that, that we don't know about uh, with his interview today? I, I don't think there's any doubt about it, Paul. You know, mm-hmm. the, the club, the club as a whole knew the the squad transition that was going to take place this summer. Like like I've said before on previous podcasts, Dermot Desmond actually said that in his statement they were prepared for the massive overhaul. So there's no doubt about it that there's been work going on in the background. Um, the only thing is that we're a bit unsure of, you know, as a fan base, is, that, is who it is that's actually put in the groundwork. You know, mm-hmm. was it Nicky Hammond before he left? You know, is there someone else that we don't know that Celtic have actually hired? Just well, at the moment, like, there I was reading. Process? I was reading that today. The the fella and he was forced to leave with Nick Hammond, but he didn't. That Ian Tense fella is actually still there with Celtic at the moment. He's actually still there. So I'm wondering, is he the one? Who? Nick Hammond. Yeah, no, Pence. He came in with Hammond. Henry. Hammond. Henry. Pen- oh, Henry. Sorry, yeah. Henry. Sorry, Henry. He's actually. Actually, still in the club at the moment. Oh. He's still. He actually didn't leave. He was forced to leave. Well, I'm pretty sure he hasn't left. So I'm thinking, is it him that's filling up all these? Celtic. No, he's no left. Been <laughs> <laughs> in a cupboard somewhere. Paper with players. Yeah. <laughs> no, but I, I think he's actually still there. So I'm thinking, is it maybe him that's calling the, the teams at the moment to transfer you targets? Know, it could be a combination, you know. You know, John Kennedy might have some input. He might, you know, if it's things like domestic players, for example, you know, Kennedy and the sort of Strachan, they might have some input. Like they, they know, and I know we've used them, for example, in previous times. But you know, they know that Kevin Nisbet is a top player. Mm-hmm. They know that uh, Ali McCann from St Johnston is a is a top player, and they would enhance our squad. So they could, you know, it could be a combination of people that are putting forward this. This uh, squad overall, because like I say, you know, the club, among as well as the fans, were very well aware of how big this, how big an overhaul this was going to be. So there's no doubt that there's been work going on for a number of months, and I think now, like Mikey says, in, in the coming weeks, uh, you're going to see that starting to take place. You're going to see bodies coming in as well as bodies leaving. It's a big six weeks, uh, Barry. It did, you know, for the qualifiers, it's a big six weeks to get the players in, buy into his system. And to hit the ground running in this? Oh, it's, it's massive. It's a massive few weeks for the club. Like I say, you know, e- even if they'd, uh, you know, if they'd gone and signed a handful of players, you know, at the end of the season or even in, in January for coming in the season, uh, due to the size of the overhaul, it's still a difficult task. You know, if you've got a, a we'll just we'll just say ten players coming in. That, that's just a, a ballpark figure. If you've got ten players coming to your club, no matter who the manager is or no matter the situation. It's going to be difficult to integrate those players into your squad and get them hitting the ground running. But that—that's the task ahead. That—that's the task that Posta Coglu has. And you know, fingers crossed, it, it all goes well. Uh, because, like you say, within the next sort of forty odd days, you know, I think it's twentieth of July. You're only about six weeks away from that. Mm-hmm. That's when the first, first qualifier is, and the squad need to be prepared and ready for that. Michael, some things I'd like chat there. Do you think he's going to maybe hit the Asian markets, considering he's been there? I'd rather find players that are proven. We've not got we've not got time or 
that to get maybe projects or guys that are a chance. We've got to get players that are proven. Uh, we, need to, uh, we need to be like a kind of superstars in the J League. That would be into you need yeah. that kind of. Yeah. And I, I couldn't name one of them, but maybe Postacoglu knows a player that could come out here and like basically run a mock kind of. Because there will be players, there will be one or two earlier that are capable of doing it. But as you say, we can't take a chance on like young boys that maybe be good. In two or three years, we need to be one of the big players that would come in and hit the ground running. Yeah, this really does need to be a project signings, Barry, so it doesn't? No, no, def- definitely not projects. This is not the time for project signings. This is, you know, ideally would like to bring in established players. You know, like I said, it doesn't have to be like, they can still be young players as long as they're mm-hmm. established. We need guys, we spoke about it before, we need guys who are going to come in and be first-team players, not guys that are on the periphery or guys that we see in two or three years' time can be squad players. You know, if he does go, you know, even if he was to look at the Asian market, there might be, you know, we spoke about it previously, I think, Mikey or, or, or Mark, but it's not just that, it's ch- the change of culture and how long it would take them to settle in from, to the country. You know, if you're bringing a player across from Japan, you're going from a completely different culture. You know, you're going from sushi to deep-fried Mars bars. You know, that, that's, that's, that's a completely different culture. So, it's, it's you know... I, I, I think... Uh, I think big guys would like a crispy Mars yeah. <laughs> bar. Well, big hands might very well like <laughs> Mars bar, you know. But like, like going back to the players, you know, to bring them over here, it could take them six months before you know they really settle into the country and grasp the culture. Whereas we can't afford to wait for that. We need players that are going to come in and be first team ready for the start of the season. Mark, Mark, do you think Ange uh, will will grasp the culture of the the big? Derbies between Celtic and Rangers, you know what to expect and what the fans expect. Like, oh, well, I think he'll, he'll probably if the fans in the stadium for the first one, he'll, he'll probably get a, as much a shock as anybody does the first Glasgow derby mm-hmm. game. But he's, I don't think he's a type that, that's going to phase him that kind of way. I mean, he seems dead relaxed and we're still each other, but more chilled out than British folk in general. And the way he came across today, doesn't he think? Doesn't seem as if he'd be easily faced with much. He just face up, face things down, take it in his stride, and deal deal with whatever's flung at him, kind of. Mhm. But what's your take? Do you think he'd be able to embrace the, the culture? I don't think that'll be a, a problem. I mean, obviously it's a different scenario, but you just need to look how many people emigrate between Scotland and Australia every year. The reason that people do that, a lot of people, because it's English, same side of the road and driving. I don't know if it'd been a problem either, but going back to like players and stuff, like I said, the, the very like what um, I think it was Barry that was saying about John Kennedy and that they all know the Scottish market. When you've got players like Josh Doyle, McCann at St Johnston, Ferguson at Aberdeen, Nisbet at Hibs, they're they, like they're players that are a must sign now that are mm-hmm. going to better the club. I mean, that, that's not even mean to think or go into freeze or anything. They're players that you would sign because they're good enough now. They're easy. They're easy signing targets. And, yeah. you know, and what's good about signing players like that is you can that they're proven in the league. Barry, you spoke about that in in a previous podcast. Like Celtic should be signing up the best Scottish players, you know, you know, and 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 help them come better players for for maybe two three years at Celtic and then sell them on like instead of having another McGinn situation again in the hands. Because well, Barry yeah, could go up with this with the orders well, coming up. Absolutely, you know that that should be the first market that Celtic ever look at. 
is what's on your doorstep. And you know, time and time again over the years, you know, we've missed out on opportunities by e- by either not showing any interest in players that have gone on, you know, to, to really enhance their career down south or or other clubs, or we've haggled over prices, we've not been quite prepared to to pay uh, to pay what the selling club is looking to. But you know, these players that that we've mentioned and that Mikey mentioned there, they're players that without a doubt would enhance our squad, and they would players like for like McCann, Nisbet, Ferguson. Doy, they would all come in and be starters in our squad. That's where we're at at the moment. You know, we we were losing a lot of players, and you know, the, the, some of them are maybe not quite at the level that we should be. So it's not like we're going to sign Kevin Nisbet and he's going to be a squad player or he's sitting on the bench. We're not going to sign Lewis Ferguson and he's going to be playing behind X. These guys that are ready to come into our squad, and if we can get a nucleus of these players, Scottish players like like Mikey said. They know the Scottish game. They, they they can do it at this level. It's a less of a risk. You know, if you go into, for example, Ukraine or you know uh, Hungary or Poland, you know you're you're taking a risk bringing these players over. You don't know how they're going to adapt to the game. You don't know if they're going to adapt to the pace of the game, things like that. If you've got these guys that are already proven in the league, for me it's a no, it's a non-brainer. You, you go straight in there and you you get these players into your club. Because, like I say, the players that we've mentioned, for me, they're only going to enhance your squad. They're only going to make it better and bring the quality of the squad better. Uh, so, so, like I say, for me, these are this is where you start. You start in the Scottish market and you go and get the best Scottish talent. Because, like I say, gone are the days now. I think where we've gone into teams and, and we've signed our better players, but whilst they're uh, like a Hibs, Hibs's best player or Aberdeen's best player, they're not quite good enough for Celtic, even though, we, like Chris Cullen, for example, he was one of Hibs's better players, but when he came into our team, you know, he was never going to be a starter. Mm-hmm. Whereas nowadays, for me, the players that we've mentioned, you know, uh, over the last few minutes, they'll they'll come in and they'll, they'll start for this football club as far as I'm concerned. Um, by considering the season that we just had, like, what will a new manager bring to the, the players that are going to be left from last season like is, is will that give them a, a buzz that a new manager's in or will they be still kind of wary about last season or is that just all forgotten about now on the on the big edge no the last season will be put to the back burner and I've actually read reports today from interviews from Callum McGregor and James Forrest and mm-hmm. they seem like that they're excited about the new appointment. They say, you know, I think it's natural. Any new appointment, any newly appointed manager, it gives the place a bit of a boost. It gives the players a bit of a boost. But you know, for me, what I think Posta uh, uh, will bring that we were probably lacking last season is organisation. You know, a strategy as a game plan. He seems to be a very tactical guy from people that uh, I've mentioned that have played under him uh, in the past and for me that's exactly what we've missed you know uh, not not dissing Neil Lennon but I've said in the past you know I don't believe that Neil Lennon his forte was tactics and strategy and game plans and I, and I think that was evident last season I he was more of a motivator for me whereas you know Posta Coglu he seems exactly a type of guy a guy that's going to come and put a structure into the first team set up so the players know exactly when they set up on the football pitch. They know exactly what their job is, exactly what they need to do. I think that's what Posta Coglu is going to bring to the players for next season. Mm, Mark, he definitely looks like the right man for the job, don't he? Going by what we're kind of hearing from hearing from today and his vision for Celtic, he knows what the vision is and I think... It seems, uh, it definitely seems single-minded in what he's wanted to do and what he looks for in his players and in his team and again, that's going to be a good thing for Celtic. As Barry's saying there about organising things, and I mean, we've, we've spoke about umpteen times, so many times we lost goals for set pieces and things like that. 
I mean, that's just poor, poor coaching and organisation for whether it's came for Lennon, whether it came for Kennedy, but it was terrible the amount of times that we slipped up in the positions last year. And I keep saying about it about the teams we meet in Europe being well organised and well drilled in that, and I think that that's what Celtic will become under Big Ange. I think, I think we'll become well organised and well drilled, and the players will know exactly what they've got to do in the park every minute of the game, and if he changes it, they'll know exactly what they're to do for, for, to make the change work. Mm-hmm. As he said today, that he uh, said today to, in his interview, believe in me. It's time for the Celtic supporters now to get behind him and let him go about his business for next season. And hopefully, he gets off to red and start. I'm sure we'll talk about more about Beekange as as we go along in the season. But for the moment, we're just going to let Beekange there now, and I'm just going to hand over to Michael for a few minutes. Mike. regarding the, the charity football match um, I had some good news today regarding uh, venue and date um, I was in a call today with guys from Falkirk Football Club and they're offering the stadium on the day of July the 18th for a 5pm kickoff. Um, we'll be able to arrive an hour before the game and an hour after the game once the final whistle is closed um, like you said, that's July the 18th. So um, the guy said to me today in the call that I can basically let the guys know about the date. Um, it's 85% confirmed. They just need to sort out um, ground, a groundsman for the day. But they would get back to us Friday, Monday to confirm that. But um, yeah, basically we've got um, a venue, a date and a time for kickoff. So guys can start getting like stuff in order regarding travel and maybe time off work if you need it and that. Um, yeah, that's all I've got to say. Fair, fair play to Falkirk because they've really, they've really been helpful, haven't they, Mikey? They've really bent our backwards. To yeah, well, like I say, um, I was speaking to the guys today and even the guys from Falkirk Football Club, they're going to actually make a donation as well um, as part of it. Like I said, the, the, guys, the guys couldn't... Um, that's one player Falkirk can sign in this season. <laughs> Well, the guy, that's what I mean, the guy was like, I said, that's what I said the other day, the guys were actually joking with me actually on the Zoom call, and they says that if we do this for you, then maybe you can maybe get some Celtic on loan. I think the, I think they need to realise that I was not actually part of Celtic at this point, yeah. And I, I, I can't get players on loan from them and that, like, yeah. Like, maybe Barry and that can maybe take a game for the next season, yeah. It's a word done for Barry. Like, maybe Barry can take a game. This is probably a wee trial for him, yeah. <laughs> You need sunbeds and that on the Saturday to get a wee bit of tan about his legs and that, wouldn't you, Bart? Aye. Aye. I've no you know, I've, I've not got that Beckham hair anymore, that's a thing. That's gonna be a problem. <laughs> <laughs> so that's he's, he's here. I wouldn't worry about it. I've seen Mikey's hair. <laughs> left it anyway. I'm just going gracefully, eh? that's just the way it goes. Eh? <laughs> I'm in the same boat, Mike, you don't worry about it. I've not to worry about I've, I've a great head of hair me. So that's where there was a tale of the good day. There's also the, it's also a bad day. As there were still unanswered questions from today's uh, conf- news conference and news coming out from Celtic. We still haven't heard that we've a director of football. We still don't know who's in charge of recruitment. We still don't know if done if um, the big Ange has his backroom staff coming with him, or is the backroom staff going to be pushing him? Sorry, going by big Ange, he says that 
work's going on behind the scenes and stuff like that, but we still don't know who is doing this work behind the scenes as as we don't know what's been changed at board level. Like th- this is an area that not just the manager needs to change, but at board level as well, and, and who makes these decisions in this. Yeah. Uh, and this is the thing, and, and uh, you know, it's a big mystery among, and it's a question that all the sort of fans and you know us, us as fans want to know. You know, what direction are they going in? Mm-hmm. You know, because like it's not like our head of recruitment is still in place, and we were discussing is there going to be a director of football? The the head of recruitment's gone. You know, so uh, it's a case of trying to second guess what direction the club are going. Are they going to appoint a new head of recruitment? and the director of football? Are they just going to appoint a director of football who's going to oversee and maybe bring in people that he knows as, as scouts or, or recruitment? And this is the thing we don't know. And, and you know, there was no sort of indication from today's um, interview with, with Don Mackay or, or with uh, Posta Coglu as to what, uh, you know, direction and, and who, you know, who's making the decisions, who's bringing in these players, who's drawing up transfer targets. We just don't know. I mean, it's happened. But the thing is, the fans uh, don't know who it is. And the other thing that wasn't clear either is, was he bringing any of his, you know, coaching staff? Mm-hmm. There was nothing. There was no mention of that today either. So, you know, I'm, I'm sure that will come in due course. There's no doubt about it. There will be there will be a structure put in place. There will be whether it be a director of football or whether they just replace Nicky Hammond with another head of recruitment. There, there, there's no doubt about it. There there will be something in place. It's just. It's not being, you know, we've not been told by anyone what exactly what it is or who it's going to be. Mm-hmm. Mark, what's your talk and this kind of lack of information there that a manager's name came up before directors football's then Do you think they have a director of football in place or is that area still needs to be sorted out? Well, I'm still hopeful they've got somebody in place, Paul. I've been saying that for weeks right enough. Do you know what I mean? Nothing's came yet. Uh, the thing with the coaches, I'm sure mind, there was a story. Mind when the story first came, the compensation was, was sorted out for Big Ange. There was two coaches that were meant to be part of that compensation package. Mm-hmm. The names straight off the top. Hodgson and um, Swinton, uh, something like that. Thomas, Thomas, his name, Sean Thomas, something like that, I think. But, but that, that went cold. Then there was a talk that it was going to be Kevin Muscat. Dingied as well, sir. We've said it before. The guy's got to be allowed to pick at least at least his one, his main, his main assistant. He's got to be allowed to pick that himself. Especially a guy coming in from another country. Foot we're talking about a new culture. You should be allowed to have somebody there that he knows, he trusts, and he's worked with before to help help him settle just into his job and that. But the director of football's got to become a bit of a shambles as well. But I think I think as well that. The, the urgency of the manager's names maybe put that in a bit of the back burner, Paul. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mike, what's your take on the things going on in, in, in the background? Are we going to appoint a director of football? Is it going to be under a different role, head of football operations, maybe? I think what's my problem, I think what my problem with, with the whole director of football thing is I personally feel that like the director of football role is perhaps bigger than even the manager role. Mm-hmm. I feel like the director of football should be appointed well in advance of the manager. Um, that, that's just my opinion. That, I, the longer this drags on, the more worried I am about this appointment. Yeah. Totally agree with you there. Like you say, um, like you say, the director of football, basically, I, I say, the manager, coach, well, he's just there to coach the team. The director of football is everything else. That he's a bigger job than the manager. Yeah. 
That's why it's surprised that about being appointed first. Mm-hmm. And even as Barry said, like, like my fear, like Barry, that there was no. If 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 he'll probably come down the line that he'll probably bring in his own his own backroom staff and thing like but and, and maybe he does need someone around there but is is Kenny and Strachan going to be forcing him to think to have 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 them around as well? Well, this is what we don't know. You know, I, I would. I would say it's probably more likely they will be part of the the, the, the coaching staff next season, Kennedy and Strachan. I, I, I've got no information on that, but I just get the feel, you know, they're going to start the season. They're going to be there, you know, taking, uh, you know, the, the first few sessions of pre-season whilst Postacoglu is isolating. Um, so I would suggest that there's a, there's a good chance they will be there. Um, and as, you know, with regard to director of football, this is what we don't know. But because obviously the club to keep their cars close to their chest, we don't know if this is a route they're going to go down. You know, everybody's speculating, and, and you know it should be a route. You know, multiple people have said, you know, high-level managers have said the size of the club that Celtic Football Club are, they need a director of football in there. So you know, we're all speculating that you know that there's going to be somebody appointed. We're hoping there's going to, but unfortunately, the club, the club of Surely when they come out and say that oh, we're modernising and that, that's got to be that's got to be their plan, really. Would you not agree? If oh, 100%, Mark, yeah. Oh, oh, I'm praying. I really am. I'm praying that, that there is a direct and they have got uh, somebody in plan, but I don't know what it is, Mark. I've just got this feeling that the club are, like I say, the club have always been silent. They always play their cards close to their chest. They don't really reveal much, but there's never really been any indication that the club have even come out and said, we're actually interviewing for this this post, you know. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a wee bit of sense. So uh, until they actually come and appoint and tell us this is who the director of football is, or we are going to be recruiting a director of football, I'm still a wee bit sceptical as to that this is the direction that they're going to go in, even though I believe it should be. Well, I think there's going to be some kind of position for our, for Kennedy uh, in that role. That's that that's that's my thinking there. I think Kennedy will have some role in in recruiting the players and and uh, and uh, having the link between Postlook and the board. I think I think that's the the role that Kennedy will kind of fill in. Paul, are you trying to upset me again? <laughs> no, I'm not. But that's that's that, that's that's what I'm reading. Like I mean, that's why you look into things. You know what I mean? Been saying that but, to me for weeks. But you you. You know what, see, see if that was the case, Paul, and I'm not saying you're wrong, you might very well be right. That for me is a, a lack of ambition on Kennedy. Yeah, part exactly, because... Kennedy, he's supposed to be this young up-and-coming coach, you know, coach. he really talked about, well, he should be going to look to further his coaching career. For me, that just that would just say because that he's willing to accept any role as right, long as he gets to stay there. So if you're, if you're getting the director of football, the director of football needs to be far out of the club, so he can come in and assess the club. If you're hiring within... That person maybe, as as a blind eye, is is blind to things that he's probably seen over the years, and he thinks that's the norm. Do you know what I mean? You know, a director of football needs to come in and just have an overview of the club. Right, this needs to change. That needs to change. This needs to change. And if you're at the club a long time, you're missing these small little things, Barry, aren't you? Yeah, yeah but for, for me, Paul, the director of football should be qualified to do the role of director of football. Mm-hmm. And you know, for me, John Kennedy's not that guy. He doesn't have the skill set to be a director of football. He's a football coach. He's worked with, you know, good managers. He's developed his coaching. He's got his badges, etc. So for, for me, a director of football has to be qualified in many mm-hmm. areas. You know, 
because like Mikey said earlier, a director of football is going to look over the head of recruitment. They're going to be heading up the youth development and, and you know that side of things. They're going to be looking overlooking so many facets of the club. For me, John Kennedy doesn't fit that description. He's looking over everybody's shoulder, basically. That's what their, mm-hmm. their football's doing. He's looking over every, every department's got a head and he's... The director of football just watching over the top of them, making sure that everything's going to land. But he wants to go for the club. Do you think maybe Kennedy might take over the core teams, or would that be a step down for him being involved in the first team? I don't think he's good enough to take over the core team. <laughs> I, I'm just being honest, like you say, it's not me hammering the guy or that, but it just didn't the time that he's been at Celtic and his development and that. I personally don't think he is good enough. Like I said, and it's like I've heard John Hughes' name get mentioned about the coach. I think John Hughes is better than the coach. A hundred times every day. Imagine Celtic. If you're going to get him at Celtic Football Club, like obviously Andrew will have his own ideas, but John Hughes, like uh, he'd be an outstanding assistant. But going back to the the director of football role, I'm just going to use this as a thing. And I don't know how the guy's name is pronounced, but it's a guy, Tishy Beggars. And I'm just like he was director of football at Barcelona during the, about 2010-ish before he moved to Hing. And you just need to look at when he moved to Man City how important that that move was, and look how Barcelona went and how Man City went forward all because of a good director of football jobs. It was nice. I don't think it was just him that left. I think a lot of the staff left as well. He moved to Man City. Graham. And like it says, exactly the, what the, the obviously we'll not get any level, but that's self feeding. I think as long as Kennedy is going to stay at Celtic, I think Celtic will always. I don't know what it is. The law was provide a, a position for Kennedy. I think that's. He'll be the kit man. Seen a thirty-five year of that. He'll be the kit man. He'll not still never have left Celtic Park today, and that's the way it's starting to look with Kennedy. Mm-hmm. I sometimes get the feel with Kennedy that, like when like like I don't know what lower clubs are looking for managers like Aloha and stuff like that, and you just need to look at guys like Paul Hartley. Like Paul Hartley started at Aloha, then he ended up at Dundee and that, but then he took a backward step and he took over Cove Rangers. And I sometimes get the impression with John Kennedy that he thinks he's he's bigger than what he actually is. Eh? Uh, he might maybe be right with that. He's like, better. Is he like they've seen my. Well, I said, I don't know why he didn't go for Aberdeen, Joe, but when we see what's happened up, what he done with Celtic and that, and the way Aberdeen's gone, you can see why, no, but I think what you're saying there, he'd maybe look doing his, I'm not, I'm not going to go and manage Aki's in places like that, I think he could be right there. I think, like it says, in my opinion, I just think that at points of his career at Celtic, during the whole like changing managers, he definitely thought at some point in that whole thing he'd be given the manager's job permanently. I, I would think so, and I think it kind of blew up. And he, I think maybe the Celtic board too were thinking that after Neil Lennon left, that Lennon could maybe, uh, Kennedy could maybe step in there, and it just all blew up in his face. He couldn't handle it, or he wasn't able to change things. Well, but I, going back to his interim chance of manager, like was it because the players just gave up, or was it just bad management by Kennedy? I was a bit of both. I, you know what? It was potentially a bit of both. What disappointed me in Kennedy when he took the interim 
uh, Charles. That was a chance for him in the short period he had, what was it, eight games or something like that, to really try and put his stamp on the team. You know, whether that be personnel, you know, whether he, he bring in Lee Griffiths, for example, and Ismail Asoro and played them, you know, and or maybe even mixed up formation and put his stamp on things. That was his opportunity uh, to, to go and do that. And he never, he played the same players that uh, Lennon played. He played the same system that Lennon played. He had an opportunity, even mm-hmm. if he'd have gone and won eight games, and we'd have played fast, expansive football, something like we'd never seen the whole season, and he'd beaten Rangers twice in the two games. Who knows? The board might have looked at it differently. But for me, you know, the season just petered out. And the thing is, he sort of mannerisms in his interviews post-match and pre-match, they didn't scream to me of somebody that was worthy of a Celtic manager's job. It was just very sort of laid back and... It wasn't like he was he was too animated about anything. So for me, like I say, he had an opportunity to try and go and change things different, you know, put a different formation in place, bring in guys that hadn't been playing under Lennon. But he never, he just played the same. I think he's record in the end. I think he only won three games out mm-hmm. of the last eight. So even if he came in and got to the team, it would have sent a message to the fans if the, all of a sudden these players were dropped or so it was them that weren't trying a leg. It's been them that's causing problems. If Kennedy just dropped all the players, even if he was playing young players and they were playing a better style of football, as Barry was saying there, Mikey was saying, if they were playing better style of football, more attacking football, the fans would have forgave him for that. The fans would have you know, respect him a lot more as well. Do you know what I mean? But he didn't even try and change anything. He just came in and done the exact same thing. Instead of just saying, right, if I'm going to try and get this job, I don't really... I don't really much stand much chance yet, but I'm not going to have guys on the park that's not going to be trying for us. I'm not giving guys that's... Get my, my mate when it's Do you get what I mean? Yeah, and that's what makes me think, Mark. I, I, I actually think that... Does he actually want to move on? You know, like I said, that was an opportunity. That was kind of a job. That's what I'm saying, Barry. I don't think Kennedy... As long as Kennedy wishes to date Celtic, Celtic will always provide a role for Kennedy. Yeah. But not even from a Celtic point of view, Paul. You know that was an opportunity. That was his opportunity to put himself in the shop window for other clubs. This yeah. is the way I manage. I've managed to turn it around in the last eight games. I've just got a feeling that he's very comfortable at the football club, and I, yeah. I don't know if he actually wants to move on. I've just got a, a wee sneaky suspicion that he, he may be happy just moving from job to job within the club. I think. I think that's it. I, I think that Celtic will always provide a role for Kennedy. Uh, within the club, I can't see. I think if he was leaving Barry, he would have left by now. You know, he, he certainly should have because, like I say, going back what was it, eighteen months or so, he was linked with the Hibs job, and that that would have been a fantastic exactly. opportunity for him to go and take it. And so that was at the time when he turned that over. You know, that was a massive job that came up while he's went oh, out. Time. You know, the, the, the Hibs was a huge job, but like I say, that there was an opportunity there, but he decided not to take it. Now, like I say, I, I've speculated that. He, he very well thought that he would be the higher to the throne when Lennon left. But, you know, football doesn't always work like that, as, as we've seen what happened last season. Well, now, you know, if the Hibs job was to come available, John Kennedy couldn't dream of getting a job like that, if yeah. you ask me. But, Barry, we've seen it firsthand, and we spoke about it in, in the last podcast, and I come to yourself as well, Michael, as well, about this, is that, that when Lennon came out and he said that he wasn't there to pick his own staff the second time, it's vital that the club let B. Gans pick his own or on coaches. Why is Lennon just bringing that up now? He should have. But he took the job. He knew. That's. Ah, oh, there I'm starting to go on a rant now. 
No, but that's what Chris said. Like Chris said that Lennon was going to take the job anyway. That time when Chris from Australia was on us, doesn't matter who. So like from then to come out and say that, Mark, it just makes no sense. You know what I mean? Again, trying to pass the buck and cover his own skin kind of thing. He knew what he was getting into. As soon as he took a job in the shower, he knew what he was getting into. And from a go 18 months and then lost his job and then come out and say, oh, they wouldn't let me pick my own assistants and all that. That's just garbage. It's meaningless, you know what I mean? It doesn't mean anything anymore. Mm-hmm. Sorry, Barry, as I was saying to yourself, there we <laughs> Mac jumped in there with his Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> see, I, I think the difference is, like, see, see with Lennon, Lennon knows the club inside out. You know, mm-hmm. Lennon had been there for, I don't know how many, 20, 20 years, I don't, I don't know how, you know, between playing and coaching. And I don't think nothing has changed since Lennon has been all over the years, Barry. No. Maybe two years that... Ronnie Dyer and Lyndon Lodges were there, and that that was the only time he's kind of changed. Well, the thing is, and regardless, who like even if Lennon had you know had an opportunity to bring in his own staff, he still knows the club and has a relationship with the board and Peter Law better than anybody else. Mm-hmm. This is a different situation. You know, Coglu, he's coming from a different country, a different continent, a different culture. You know, even for the, the sake of of uh, settling himself in, you know, him, his wife, his children. You know, for him then to come over here, it would be great if he could bring his coaches. You know, I think the guys mentioned uh, that Mark mentioned earlier that are Australian that have followed him on his managerial career. So, so to get them, in, not only would it help him in terms of you know coaching yeah. and, and, and manager, but it would also help him settle into the country. His wife, could, uh, you know, could could uh, you know pal about with. The, the wives uh, of his coaching staff, you know, so I think it's different for, for Lennon to come out and say that it's different because, like I say, Lennon knows the club inside out. He's already established the relationship, so bringing his own staff, how much of a difference would it make? Whereas mm-hmm. Coglu for me, it's a different, it's a different kettle of fish altogether. For me, I think that would help him not only only in his coaching aspect, but also settling into the country. That, that's a good point there, actually, Mike. Like bringing his. Like, if he doesn't bring in his own coach and stuff, like he's going to have to train the likes of Kendi and Strachan to adapt to his philosophy of playing in as well. Like so, that's it's kind of double the work really you know, they're putting in from from the start, isn't it? To train up the coach and stuff, and then get the players to buy into it. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. I mean, surely there's no way that any of this coaching staff from last season on the Celtics books could be kept on after what happened last season. Mm-hmm. I, I just I just don't believe it. And going back to like John Kennedy again, before we go off the topic of him, Poster Coughley showed more in that eight-minute interview than John Kennedy has in the last few years at Celtic. I, the way Poster Coughley came across and the way he spoke and the passion he spoke in that. And like John Kennedy, when he was caretaker manager Celtic in interviews now he showed nothing he showed nothing it's like he didn't even want to be there he obviously wants to be there like I say Barnacle Kennedy is no moving anywhere but Barnacle Kennedy 
But um, like I say, the guy's got to bring his own stuff. That's it. Mark, Mark, how do you think he's going to be backed in the transfer market, or or, or, the, or the same regime going to come in that says they go and buy players themselves and, and put it on the manager? I do mute, I do mute my mic here at that one, Barnacle Kennedy. Uh, sorry, say that again, Paul. <laughs> I said, please, I lost it. No, uh, how, how do you think he's going to be backed? by the club in, in the transfer market are the clubs going to push players on top of him or will he tolerate that you think oh, I don't think he'll I don't oh, see that's a hard one Paul mm-hmm. he'll be backed I mean we know he needs to get back the amount of players we need we all know that the squad's needing some serious money spent on it uh, well it's back to who's making the decisions on players who are signing things like that Paul Mm-hmm. Is there going to be a director of football to come in and, do you know what I mean? It would be like the director of football, the head coach, and well, Andrew to have an input on these kind of things. But we can't have Dominic Mackay signing players. We love the level. We love, do you know what I mean? We can't have Dominic Mackay signing players and just saying, right, there's a player. That's different if it's a. Do you get what I mean? That's no mm-hmm. the new hierarchy should be like, because we've been there and we know that that doesn't work when guys, the money men, are making football decisions. But I think he'll get back with transfer funds in that. I definitely do. I was just going to say, I think for this, for what's about to happen, I think the players that we brought in have already been decided. You know, and I, I'm not saying that's a, a negative thing or a bad thing. I, I think Poster Coglu, he'll be happy to get in there and coach and, and start his coaching process. I think the players that come in in this transfer window have already been decided. And like you said, we don't know who's drawn up the list. But for me, because, you know, you're listening, there's only a matter of weeks until the first game, you know, it's too, yes. it's too, it's too much too soon for Posta And with his lack, his lack of experience in the European market as well, Barry, you have to think down as yeah, well. Absolutely, and I, I don't think he'll have an issue with it. I think he'll just be, listening. you know, I, I kind of, he, he says already in his interview, he, he's forged a really good relationship with Dominic Mackay. So I, I think he'll come across as sort of, you know, you know, I kind of trust what you're giving me here. I'm happy to work with these players, go ahead and sign them. Because there's no doubt he will have to have an input, you know, are you happy with these players? And it might very well be, whilst he's isolated uh, in his hotel room, you know, the, the list of players that are on that, that uh, transfer list that's been drawn up, he'll be having a look at video footage of them uh, and but, giving his, his, his input uh, to the back to the club as to what he thinks about them. But I, I think... Sorry. Sorry, go on, go on, finish. No, I was just going to say, I think for this for this specific window and for this uh, rebuild that's going to happen in the next couple of years, I think he'll be given the players that the club have identified. I, I would think so, especially if they said there was a list of players already, and that was the one things maybe that I read in the Eddie Howey deal, that, why that kind of felt that Celtic approached him the list of players that they were looking at, and he wasn't happy with that list, so maybe these are players that were already identified, but is six weeks, Barry, enough time for him to gel his squad together and have him ready for the part? Not maybe when it's but maybe have him ready to play his style of way. Well, it's not it's not a very long time, but you know he's at Glasgow Celtic now. You know you don't get time. No, you know so. No. so but you know I think us as supporters, we're going to need to sort of give him that that little bit of time to to find his feet. He's obviously got a, a specific style and a specific way that he likes to play the game. He's now then got to impl- implement that into the squad and into the players. And like he said, the first thing he's going to do is let the players understand who he is as a person and who he is as a coach. And once they've done that and they actually understand the way that they want him to play, 
then that's when we'll hopefully start to see the results. But, you know, to answer your question, six weeks until the first uh, Champions League qualifier, we'll have to be ready, you know. Whether we are or not, I don't know, but we'll have to be, and we'll have to look to try and win that qualifier. But that, that's, that's the demands that are at this football club. Mm-hmm. You know, that's why, and, and, and Poster Coglu is very well aware, and he says he sets his own standard. He says that my own standard that I set every football club is to win and win playing attractive football, never mind that Celtic at any club he's at. So right, right away, that, that's music to the ears of the Celtic fans, because that's what we are used to, and that's our philosophy. Exactly, because, Mark, I was, I was reading... Uh, an ex-player of his for uh, uh, international level and ex-Manchester United goalkeeper Mark Bosnich who was Australian he was saying that he plays to win he before to win 4-3 rather than win 1-0 that goals against isn't his main issue if the goal's far so we're going to have a, a big attacking brand of football I think next next season that was Kevin Keegan's philosophy wasn't it if, you might, if you're old enough to mean back to him Newcastle, Man United going for the league. Mm-hmm. That was Keegan's philosophy. Same Newcastle worry were a really good team to watch back then. Mm-hmm. What you're saying about Mark Bosnitz? Everybody seems to say that about them. Then that just seems to be the general consensus about Big Ange that he plays to win. Everything's about winning, sir. That's obviously a good positive to have for a manager, Paul. Yeah, he, he's a winner, Mike Linty. I think what I like about uh, Foster and looking at all his teams, and I've said it in the past, is I love teams that play wingers. Mm-hmm. Celtic have never had that in a while, and obviously Celtic are going to need to identify players or something to play to the styles because we've not got many wide men um, on the books. And um, I, I, I'm looking forward. To, I'm just looking forward to that. The formation the guys going to play, and I can the loads of ways to attack, but I just don't think there's any better than having good tricky wingers on the left and right to come in. It's just I just hope we can get the players in so the guy can play his way. Because Barry, like going into pre-season at the moment, the the first teams it's it's done with bare bones, so they need to get that first team built up as as fast as they can. Oh, without a doubt. And this is where, you know, the benefits of getting players uh, into the, the club as early as possible. So like Mikey was saying earlier, you know, if they get signings by the end of the week, you know, whether that be... It's great, you know, it's great to get players in for the start of pre-season. Now, listen, we're not going to have our whole squad in by the start of pre-season, but the actual benefit it gives you to mm-hmm. get the players in from day one, you know, they're not having to play catch-up fitness-wise, you know, things like that, but there's, there's no doubt about it, you know, getting the players in early doors will absolutely benefit them, no, no, no doubt about it. And Mac, there was also reports that I think they came out yesterday or Tuesday that Peter Lawn has been put in guardian leaf within the club and Dominic McCoy is kind of making his kind of own decisions. Have you heard any more on that, or was it just all paper talk again? Or a few places have been saying it, Paul. So mm-hmm. I honestly don't know if it's true or not, but uh, I t- but they don't need to tell the stock exchange that if they left it early. Mhm. Maybe I just Stubborn seems to need to be announcing the stock exchange, even though he was due to leave at the end of the month. Surely, if he left early, that would have some kind of effect on a share price, maybe, I don't know. But, uh, Peter Wall did an interview today. 
Oh, he, he did an interview today. Ah, he did an interview today saying that uh, Poster they tracked him. They, they said they tracked him for, for they were tracking for years. years. Yeah, well, I'm, often I'm not convinced to believe that they tracked him for years. Why were they trying to get Eddie Howe? But but he came out and said it. You know, so I might have been been on the radar for a number of years, uh, and this is them putting that into fruition now. But yeah, Lowell did did an interview today. Yeah, and I read uh, Dominic McCoy's interview as well today. He said that he's looking to modernise every single department within the club. But at the moment, he's only talking to people and he's officially started on the 1st of July. So do you think maybe Lawrence is still kind of pulling the strings at the club, Barry? I'd like to think not, Paul. I'd mm-hmm. like to think not. You know, you know, it doesn't serve any benefit for Lawrence. Still, I mean, listen, he's still employed by the club, I think, until the 30th of June. Uh, so, so he will still be there in a the capacity, but I'd like to think he's taken a bit of a back seat now because this is really uh, an opportunity for uh, Dominic Mackay to come in and get his feet under the table and get a really feel for the club before you know he actually takes the official position on the first of July. But you know, for him to turn around and say that he's speaking to people, I hope you know, and I'm sure Mark and the rest of the guys do. I hope these people are sort of directors of football. That that is a position you know to turn around and say he wants to modernise the club and have every sort of faucet. You know, mm-hmm. that's exactly what we want to hear and that's exactly what we'd like him to do uh, and hopefully that's what he will do um, so like I say the, the people that he's speaking to hopefully that are, he is sort of interviewing and sending out people for the director of football and head of recruitment roles uh, but we'll find that out in due course like, like it's, it, it's not just pressure on Vigas um, next season it's, it's pressure on Dominic McCoy as well who, the, the players who he makes the funds available to, to bring in as well isn't it? Pressure on the whole football club. Mm-hmm. Like this wasn't a, like a season that um, just got away for and they lost out by a couple of points. I mean, it was a shocking season, and the only way to sort it out was to get it right the next season. Um, but like I said, they just need to get like I said, it's imperative that they get the players in the ASAP. That's the manager, and fair enough. But you need to start getting the players in as well because, like I said, we haven't even got a squad. And like Barry says, six weeks with mm-hmm. all the qualifiers. And I kind of a lot of people have maybe wrote off the qualifiers, but you're still in them, so you've still got to give it a go. And you, if you get the players in early enough and get them fit and the guy gets them playing, then you just never know what could happen, eh? Like I, said, I, think they might, I don't know what teams are going to come up against in the qualifiers if they get round, around, around. But you've got to be in it, and there's still a chance. Like I said, the, the least that they need to do is get to the Europa League, in my opinion, eh? Like you said, and I think they, I think the key, like you said, they get the right players in. The, 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 the Celtic board and the club know they'll know what players that they need. They just need to spend the money. It's as simple as that. And like I, I was just there as well. That Edward looks like he's on his way to Leicester tonight, and mm-hmm. tomorrow um, he's removed everything Celtic from all his social media and stuff. So that's not on the They'll sign that with him next day. I think that was the. The worst best secret, I think, wasn't it? I think it was always that he was going to go to left and link up with Blended Rogers anyway, I think, you know? That's fine. Like I say, like, I wouldn't say good riddance because he scored a lot of good goals for Celtic, but his heart was, even if he finished top goal scorer, his heart wasn't in it last season. And like he says, it's time to move on players that didn't want to be at the club. You didn't yeah. want players like that at the club. You get the money in and then get the money spent. That's what I mean. So, and that goes for Christy, Ayer. All of them, it's time to get, move on and for Celtic to move on as a club. Barry, what do you do actually in a situation like that? Do you get rid of the players who don't want to be there first and, and then start your recruitment or 
that we're placing them that you know they're not going to be here? Oh, I mean, I said on a previous podcast, I, I 100%, uh, you can go back and, and listen to it, mm-hmm. I, I said I, I would like the players that didn't want to be there, uh, Edward, for example, I wanted them sold at the start of the summer, the very yeah. start of the window, because I wouldn't want to take Edward into the qualifiers, you know, st- still at Celtic, when he's not unhappy, he's clearly down tools. You don't want that. What you want to do is you want to get them sold and hopefully if he does go tonight, and like like Mikey says, I'm not going to you know, badmouth the guy. He's he served the club well. He's scored a lot of good goals. He's really developed his game. But you want him sold, bring in the money, and that'll allow us to go out and sign the players that you know want to be at the football club and the players that are going to be here for the future and take the club forward. So yeah, absolutely. And the same goes for Ayer and that. You know, if Ayer... If there's a suitor for him, a bid come, an acceptable bid comes in for him, you know, in the next sort of few days or, or week or so, absolutely accept that. And but then what you have to do is you need to go and get the replacements immediately. You, you can't mm-hmm. be sort of messing about because that decimates the squad even further. If you mm-hmm. then go and you know sell your players but you don't replace them. Are Norway in the Euros? No, they're not. No. No, Mark, you don't want these negative details in, in pre-season either. The, the they maybe they have this that say other players they want to leave, they don't want to be here. You don't want that going in with a new manager in the pre season either, Max, you don't? No, you don't want any negativity about squad, especially with a new manager or new players are going to be coming in. You know, maybe that's one of the things with Bart that's got to Barkas. He's come in and the negativity and the change the underlying negativity and that's him. And Duffy Aye. came out and said that there, uh, after the encouragement, it was good to be back playing football. And away from the season he had, he said there was personal issues, there was issues within the club well, yeah. that affected him. Barry will know better than any of us. You know what I mean? How things like that actually work in a dressing room. Do you know what I mean? If there is a bit of a bad yeah. egg, how it rubs off on the other players. Especially like Barry being a, like a young guy, would, was it a case of you to take a side or anything like that if anything like that came up? You know what, Mark? It makes things very awkward in and around the changing room. Like I said before, you know, there was an issue with the, man, uh, the Italian manager and a couple of the players, and it makes it very difficult because you you then think, you know, am I am I supposed to speak to these players? These <laughs> these players are my mates. Is it going? To, is it going? Yeah. Is it going to affect me? I, I, yeah. You know, am I going to get dropped or am I not going to get selected if I end up speaking to the? You know, so it makes it very uncomfortable around the changing room. When there is, you know, bad eggs or, you know, there is animosity or fallouts, you know, normally in a, in a football environment, as I'm sure, you know, we've all been at some point or at some level, people have quarrels, people have tests, people fall out, you know, you can even have a punch up, you know, but normally it's very quickly forgotten. But what seems to be a part here has been there's been a number of issues that have never been resolved and they've lasted the whole entire season and, you know, they're still not being resolved. So, <laughs> like I say, you know, I think now's the time for the players that don't want to be here, you know, don't wish any ill on them. Just sell them on, get the money in, and like I say, get the, get the replacements in the door as quickly as possible. Well, see, while we're on that, I may probably go to the just a tenner up to get my blood spent diabetes and that. I must have met the only Celtic supporter that's led that Scott Brown had left. He seems to have Scott Brown for a hell of a lot of last season. I, what do you think? I don't know where he was. I just, they seem to have. The guy seemed to have been bonnet about Scott Brown and the way the season went, and he blames a lot of it on Scott Brown. And it was him that was causing. But I'm not saying he was causing. I don't know. Having a personal conversation, 
and it was him his, his wee clique of pals was all against this and that and it was one that was one of the reasons. And now we've said like Peter Lowell made well I've said that like Dermot Desmond made decisions, it was a case of Lowell's away, Lennon's away and that's what I said to him, I said, Do you think maybe Scott Brown was one of them? And he was like, I bet he was, I bet he was. So it just shows you so how other people think about things. I'd never give that a thought. Do you think, do you, is William being club captain too? Barry, like, like would he, he'd obviously have a, his own kind of group of players around him that he would kind of lean on as well as captain, wouldn't he? Yeah, well, like, uh, he's been there a long time as well. Mm-hmm. You know, Scott Brown a lot of clout about Celtic for good yeah. reasons, which he's entitled to. Uh, He's earned that, in my opinion. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And he, he had a very good relationship with Lennon as well, didn't he? You know, mm-hmm. he, the, the, the two of them would have... Maybe he didn't like the, the players that wanted to attack in Lennon and down in tools for Lennon. You know? yeah, well, well, I mean, this is the thing. This is the beauty of it, isn't it? We just don't know mm-hmm. who was at fault and who was causing the rifts. You know, I guess we can speculate. You know, there was Michael. The, you know, the, the French oh, guys within the French guys within the Celtic squad were were really causing an issue. But you know, you never know. It might be that you know Scott Brown or whoever it is. You know, we just don't know who was causing the issues. We really don't. But there's no doubt about it. There were issues there. Uh, and that was evident and what and you don't want those issues Barry being wrong pre season either so you don't you want just to no. change that for the manager to come in no. and definitely not. and you're absolutely right what you said earlier uh, Paul you don't want this negativity around the club right from the start of the outset and that's how I think that you know that's why I think we should sell Edward now you know mm-hmm. and I no, no listen I'm not saying I because I showed quite a good attitude last year he was one of the better players but, you know, the players that don't want to be there, you're better, you know, especially for Postacoglu coming in, you're better to be surrounded by players that actually want to play the club for the club, players that actually want to be there, players that want to listen to you and, and perform for you, and, and like he said himself, buy into what he his philosophies are and what he don't, wants to do as a manager and the way he wants to take the club forward. What you don't want is, even guys like if Edward was still there, we know that he's going to be set at some point this, this summer. So, to have him around, is he actually going to be giving his all in pre-season? Is he actually going... I'm not saying he's not, but you just don't know. I just think for the benefit of the football club and for the benefit of Poster Coglu coming in from the start, I think it's better that the guys who are going to move on this summer, they move on early and let Poster Coglu work with the guys who are actually going to be there. And it's not just the, 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 the players either with the negativity, like, it's the fans as well. They, they need to know just stop the negativity around the club and just back the manager, get behind the manager and back the players that, that are there. I just don't understand um, some Celtic supporters. And like I say, I was as critical as the team last season as anybody. But it's got to come to a point where you've got to move on. Mm-hmm. And even, to, even even reading today, there's still people that are calling this guy for everything, the new manager. He's, he's not even been in the door 24 hours. And loads of guys have got a rope off already. I and mean, like you said, it just seems to be negativity after negativity. And they're even going back to like Mark's altercation with that guy about Scott Brown. It wasn't Scott Brown's fault that like, he kept getting picked to play even though he was garbage last season. No, I mean, it was the managers that were still picking him to play even though he wasn't a, he was clearly no good enough. Eh? But that's what I mean, it's easy to blame Scott Brown for no, no being, playing with like being good last season but at the end of the day it was the managers that kept picking him no I think it was mere like the behind the scenes stuff that he seemed to be blaming him for 
I don't know. I don't know. I like. No, I may be wrong. No, I, I didn't. Yeah. And I was kind of weird to see how to work. I was. He just said, "I." But we were saying yeah, he'd been there that long. He had too much power, and he's weak. Clicking things to do, and the things didn't go his way. He wasn't. I'd never thought a minute that Scott Brown. Do you know what I mean? But well, could you, you know, have that much pressure? Could you have that much control of the club that you've been captain for so long? Well, like I said, Roy, well, Roy Keane back in the day, he never, he was there for how long? And he was able to throw his way about, but I got to, even with Alice Ferguson there, he was he was never, like, fully in control of anything. Mm-hmm. And, that, and that's Roy Keane. So I doubt Scott Brown's going to have as much as control as what people, some people think in, in the football club. Eh? And... Um, no, like you say, no, no I, I, when I say in the football club, I don't mean he can walk into Peter's yeah. office and think, but in the dressing room, Scott Brown would have the man, you know, mm-hmm. the one. Yeah. We've, we've heard that it was him at Divvy doing the fines and all that, all the players' day if you're late and like that. He was in charge of all that, and then he'd seen his interview and he was reading the running, running the WhatsApp, Snapchat, and group or whatever it is in there. I think it was just me. Like powery, but it would be really powerful. Any player that came into that dressing room in the last ten years, Scott Brown's been the main man in there. Do you know what I mean? What Scott probably says goes when it comes to the players. You've got four or five guys that are high profile. Well, say high profile. I think they're high profile players in the first team that have all categorically says they want to leave the football club, but don't get sold. That's going to cause a rift in any changing room, I guess. Mm-hmm. It's as simple as that. Just one guy. This is you're talking about four or five that wanted away, and if you well, retain, you retain all the guys. There's always going to be a mega problem in that changing room. So no, no problem. No wonder there was probably a rift. One player who who seems to be buying into his system already, and and he's played under him, and and, and we spoke in that podcast is Tom Roger. Do, do you think maybe he's told the players about Big Gange already, Barry, and they know about him already coming? What time he plays and stuff. Yeah, well, I think he has because uh, there was uh, an article today from James Forrest. Mm-hmm. And James Forrest has uh, basically said that, that Rogic has spoke about what a sort of fantastic coach he is, and you know, like his philosophies and how that uh, you know it'll really suit the football club and stuff. So I don't think there's any doubt about it that Rogic would have filled the guys in on uh, Postacoglu's uh, you know background and everything like that because you know it's not just the fans you, you know us as fans when we heard the name Postacoglu what we did is we went and did our research on him the players would be exactly the same you know they, they want to know and maybe not they'll maybe not have to look up the internet but there'll, there'll be guys who you know have played under like Tom Rogic oh. like guys that you know you, you know the Jackson Irvins for example right away the Celtic players would have been on to Tom Rogic about him as soon as it, even the hint of it kind of idea wouldn't they have they been right on you to get the load down so it was strange one Mark when Rogic sorry but I come just then it, it was strange as Rogic said uh, before this appointment even came out that he was staying in Glasgow uh, this summer and, and he doesn't want to be um uh, be playing for Australia or being brought up to the Australian squad this summer because he wants to concentrate on things. I think he knew already that maybe Big Andrew's been considered. Yeah, I, I talk about that before. I don't, I don't know, but maybe there's something in it. Mm-hmm. Right, so, Robert, well, another player that seems to think that it, it, it looks like maybe he will be staying next season because he was uh, also uh, speaking today in the interview was Callum McGregor. 
do, do you think maybe he actually will stay for another season, Barry, or do you think he's the one of the players that wants to go? No, I, I, I personally think McGregor will be there next season. I do. And I think, like like I say, I read his interview today, uh, like yourself, Paul, and certainly all the indications were pointing that he was going to be there next season. He was talking about, you know, he's excited for the new manager coming in, and it was him that spoke about, you know, any time a manager comes in, there's always a, it always gives the players that bit of a lift and you know brings a wee bit of buzz around the club. So he's certainly given indications and talking like he is going to be there next season, but. Like you say, you never know. There's you never know in football, yeah. Yeah, you never know in football. I was, I, I've said for months I thought McGregor wasn't going to be here next season, but mm-hmm. I've maybe changed my mind a wee. I've still not 100% convinced, because I think if he was head-turning kind of off, I think he would maybe be interested in making the move, but I'm, I, maybe I think there's more chance of staying there than there is of him leaving. I hope mm-hmm. so, and and he could... Go on, that's Mike. Go on. Go on, Barry. Go on. No, I was just about to say, he could refine his form under Coglu. You know, we knew, like, last season he was bang off form and then, you know, for me, fitting into the diamond, it really didn't suit McGregor's game. He, if he refines himself again, you know, we all know what a cracking player Callum McGregor is. And on his day, he's absolutely fantastic, one of the best in the country. If Coglu can come in and play a system or, you know, play him in a position whereby he really thrives and flourishes, we're going to get the best Callum McGregor back. Mm-hmm. Mike? Well, like you said, I hope he stays because I was hoping that, obviously, if we sign Lewis Ferguson, we would take the midfield three of Ferguson, McGregor and Turnbull for next season. And that would be my... My that would be my midfield for going into the season if it was up to me to get the three the three playing together. So I think it would be an outstanding midfield. So I'm like I say, I hope that he does stay. We kind of we kind of lose everybody. <laughs> you know, what to what to retain some of the squad unless there's an astronomical offer. Then he, I think he's one that needs to be retained. So we have the the football the football manager now in place. What do the board need to do now? As a, 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 as the club, what's the next step? Do you think that they they need to be doing? Barry, there. Oh yeah, sorry. sorry. Uh, well, f- first thing for me they need to do is they need to release funds and start finding players. You know, f- for me that that's the very next thing that we need to do because, like I say, we're we're a matter of days away now from pre-season. So if we can, you know, if the hub identified. Uh, you know, a number of players that they want to bring to the football club. They need to go out and spend the money and get a good few of them in within the next sort of week or two. Because, uh, like I say, for, for me, it's a really important thing. You know, it's a massive benefit to have guys in at the start of pre-season that are, you know, so they're not falling behind on fitness or joining the club at a stage whereby you know they're in amongst games. So for me, the very first thing the board need to do is release some funds, back the manager, and start bringing some players into the football club. Mm-hmm. Mark, your thoughts of where the clubs need to go now, what we need to do? Start getting players in. That is, that's the next thing, just because we know how much we need. Just Not just bodies in the door, quality players, but we need to start getting them in as soon as possible. And hopefully let Mackay and that work away in the background and get uh, a, the scouting and the director of football and that sort of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mikey, you're saying questions just like what? Yeah, like I say, um, I, I just hope that, like I say, I don't, like I say, I don't, I don't have to know what to really add on what, what the other two guys have said. 
was going to have echoed what I would say, so. Do you think maybe the director of football, sorry, maybe, maybe put in the back burner this year, considering there's too much happening at the moment within the first team squad and the players to come in and the manager and maybe his backroom staff? I hope not. I hope not, because in my opinion, we really need a director of football. And it needs to be, you know, the right appointment. You know, I, I've got no problem with it, you know, being delayed as long as they get the right guy in, in the frame. You know, I, I mentioned earlier what, what makes me think that we maybe aren't going down that route is, is kind of what we spoke about earlier. For me, and, and Mikey, I, I wholeheartedly agree, the director of football should have brought in months ago. For me, the director mm-hmm. of football sh- should so, have had a say in, in appointing the manager. Or not a say, but... you know, so I thought maybe the, the, two of them would have been announced the today together. That's what I thought. I thought maybe the director well, of football... You, you know, I, I, think, I think way back, you know, when it was announced that Peter Law was leaving and Dominic Mackay was coming in, I think a lot of the supporters, myself included, thought, well the likelihood is the next appointment is going to be, or the next announcement is going to be the director of football. And then, you know, closely followed by a manager. Well, that's not hard. We've now got the manager in place. You know, I just hope that, you know, when Dominic Mackay said today, he's, he's speaking to people and, you know, once he's appointed on the 1st of July, he might be looking to firm that up. I just hope it is a director of football because I don't want it to be put on a back burner. I don't want it to be, uh, you know, said that, oh, oh, you know what, we'll review it at Christmas or we'll review it, uh, you know, the next transfer window or even next season. For me, it's, it's a hugely important role for Celtic. It's hugely important that Celtic appoint a director of football and appoint the right person that's going to oversee the whole infrastructure of the football club because it, it is a massive job. Uh, so, yeah, fingers crossed that they don't put it on the back burner and they do get somebody in the door and they do, they do get the right appointment in the door. If they don't appoint the director of football, for me, a big hand just coming in with like one hand tied behind his back. It's just that modernising. They know flawless modernising that Dominic McCoy's talking talking about, Mark, that he wants to modernise the club. The director of football is vital to a modern team football club now. You know what I mean? Because like, we didn't have him for years and if he wants to modern the club... That's one position that needs to be filled, like. What, what, what I'm finding as well, uh, what I'm, like, as we did this podcast for weeks now, and we all keep saying the same thing about this, a modernisation of the football club. Why is it taking so long to modernise it? I mean, the whole club needs modern, modernised right from the top, right to the very bottom. And it's unbelievable that the club's stagnated for that long. That just goes to show how, how much power Peter Law had in the club market this. Just I sound like a broken record when we talk about this, Paul. But I've said on the forum for years, years that we need a director of football. That Peter Law was making the decisions, and it get worse. See, once John Park left, I mean, I, I gave John Park a lot of grief at, as well because I think a lot of the signings were all pals. That kind of idea with him, but he did find us a lot of good players as well. But once mm-hmm. John Park left as well, Lowell just took. He didn't replace John Park. He just took on that role himself again. And yeah. Peter Lowell's been the main club Celtic for me for years. But not going to hear again about what he's done good. We know he's done good things, but he's also done a hell of a lot of bad things. Stick his nose and making decisions that it was, it was just we could talk about the director of football and the skill set and the remit of them and that. Peter Lowell's made decisions through his remit. The board should have reined him in. It's what Gavin said to us like that Peter Lowell was acting as. The, the director of football within the club. I've yeah. Years, Paul, on the forum. 
I've seen yeah. it for years it was Peter Law that was making these the decisions on who we were signing, and that was never going to end well. The amount of because he was mere money driven. Do you know a football guy will give his opinion? Do you know what I mean? Like football, he'll push for somebody that's a better footballer. Even it doesn't matter how much he costs, he'll still push to get the best footballer. He could be a cheaper player. Do you know what I mean? But Lowell was always looking for a bargain and somebody could make money on and do and. Uh, it was just a total disaster the transfer in general over the last four or five years. Mm-hmm. Like that's just gone like that, that we need the right people in the right departments and not just have one pe- person like Peter Lord controlling everything within the club now. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, yeah absolutely. And this is where we're hoping that Dominic Mackay is going to be different. We mm-hmm. hope that Dominic Mackay is going to recognise that, listen, you know, there needs to be somebody brought in to oversee this because I'd imagine that's not his forte. Dominic Mackay has been brought to the club because, you know, he's uh, he, he's got attributes to, to oversee various different parts, but not the football inside. And we all know, listen, it's no secret. Every fan and every man to a person knows that Peter Law got far too involved in, in too many of the footballing decisions at the club. We all, we all know that's the case. What we hope now is that Dominic Mackay recognises that, listen, I'll deal with you know the, the commercial side of the football club, the business side, everything like that, and the finances, etc. But you know there's going to be somebody brought to the club that's going to oversee the football and someone that's an expert at it. Because we know that Peter Law, you know, he, he likes the power and he made the decisions. And unfortunately, a lot of those decisions backfired for the football club. But you know now we just need to hope that Dominic Mackay recognises that he needs somebody in to oversee the football inside and he's not going to take the reins himself, which I'm sure he will. I'm sure Dominic Mackay, he'll not want to actually oversee the football side of things. He'll want to concentrate on what he's good at and what his assets are to the football club and bring in somebody that you know is going to oversee the football club uh, and that's what their strong attributes are. I think, I think, what, I think what sums up Peter Law in the last few years at Celtic was the whole, and it still sticks in me, like the whole John McGinn thing. That was probably one of the biggest and worst decisions uh, Peter Law's reign at not getting that guy signed. And the fact that it came out later that McGinn was wanting to, it was always Celtic for him and it was over the case of a few hundred thousand that we never got him. It's decisions like that that affected affect Celtic eventually getting the 10 in the row. It was a bit of arrogance, wasn't it, on, on Law's part? Because I think Law thought, right, Whatever Hibs were asking for, I don't know, three million, say, you know, well, we'll give you one and a half. No, it's three million. We'll give you two. You know, I think Loyal thought, you know what, we'll, we'll, we'll pull our offer and we'll get him, we'll sign him on a pre contract in January. I think that's what that's what happened with Loyal. He thought that, you know what, I'm not going to play your game. I'm not going to meet your demands. I'm going to win this battle. And he never, because obviously, because I think I'm right in saying, Mark, you might be able to confirm this too or not. Did Celtic not match Aston Village? Offer once that had been accepted. As far as I, I as far as I know, they did. Uh, it just came down. I, so, so I actually think McGinn just got a bit pissed off with him getting. Uh, he did. He did. There's no doubt about it. Uh, but it just shows you that Celtic had the money there to pay it, and they were willing to pay it. They just didn't want it. I mean, Hibs were 100 percent in the right. They're allowed to play. See whether Rod Petrie hates Celtic or Disney. That's right here and there. Rod Petrie done what we expect Peter Lowell to do. If people want to buy your star players and play time. exactly. But Peter, yeah, exactly. I think that because McGinn was a Celtic supporter, 
he was going to kind of just try and force his way through and then you know, see that stuff about him want to, he would run his contract on. He was never going to do that because uh, when he left St. Byrne, he was he left St. Byrne in a free transfer and he, there was a weird deal that was done with Hibs that St. Byrne would still get a certain percentage of his transfer. And again, he privately said to folk he would never have done St. Myrne or Hibs out a transfer fee. Because if it wasn't for St. Myrne and Hibs, he wouldn't be getting a multi-million pound transfer, do you know what I mean? He's just not that type of guy that would have done that, like pitched these two weird teams for the sake of his own personal gain. Mm-hmm. So, well. <laughs> no, I was just going through the live chat there. So, so I couldn't think like that we're hoping our director of football coming, but another department is is our recruitment, Barry. That that, that seems to be a sham. So I know we touched the choke the, the podcast there, but it is an area as well that that seriously needs to be looked at within the club. Oh, without a doubt, yeah, without a doubt. And you know, as well as a director of football, I'd like to think a director of football could even very well appoint a head of recruitment because you know I think we spoke about it previously. Our recruitment hasn't been great, you know, we've not got a great track record over probably the last five or six years, you know, don't get me wrong, it's not been a disaster, there has been some, you know, good signings, but I think for every sort of good signing there's potentially been two or three poor ones, and like like we've spoken about, uh, you know, earlier on the podcast and previously, I think we need to maybe get away from the direction of project signings, Mm -hmm. or certainly, you know, or certainly, you know, not, not having too many of them within your squad. You know, for me, there's no doubt about it. This this specific transfer window, I would steer clear at any sort of project signing. I'd be really looking to, but, like I spoke about before. Yeah, but I look, see what, depends what you say is like a project signing. But for me, project signing should be young players were signing, so like the 16 and 17 year olds and putting them in. Mm-hmm. We've set up for the next in three years' time, they'll become first team players. Obviously, you get the odd one that's going to shine out, like. Do you get what I mean? There's always going to be one or two gems that will push their way right into the first team before you expect it. But the projects for me should be what was about before. They should be like, that should be what makes up your squad. You shouldn't have 28 year old guys as your squad players. It should be your young players and these younger players you're bringing in to try and nurture. So there is a place for projects to be signed. I think the future for Celtic is signed first team ready players. I read something on the the papers the, last week and about about Luca Connell, the the Ireland under twenty ones manager Barry said that he's wasted two years of his career at Celtic by not breaking into the first team or not giving proper training to break into into the, into the Celtic football team, and if he doesn't get his chance this season, he should be leaving the club. Like we spoke about before those things, but that needs to be sorted out, doesn't it? The pathway to the first team for the youths. Yeah, I mean, you can't disagree with what that, that fella said, you know, because look at Connell, before he came to, to Celtic, he sort of broke into the... Was it Bolton he came from? I think it was Bolton. Was that... Mm-hmm. Or Wigan? Or, he'd broken into the Bolton first team, you know, and he, I think he'd even managed to uh, get a call-up to the Ireland squad. So he's, yeah. he's really starting to develop as a player, and Celtic identified that, you know, and saw an opportunity to go and sign him, but he never got any sort of... Sniff. So he has... Kind of, 
wasted. Yeah, probably is the right word, you know, because he, he's not got any sort of first team. He's only sort of senior experience since he's come to Celtic. Was a loan move to Queens Park. So you know, you know, we spoke about it many times before. The, the, the pathway to the first team for the youth is essential. But like I say, it was encouraging today for Foster Fogler to say he really wants to work yeah. mostly with the youth. He also mentioned that you know. Age, age isn't an issue to him. He, he doesn't see age as a barrier into the first team. So again, that was refreshing. I always yeah, said that if you're able, if you're able, you're able, Barry. You just if you're 18 oh, years old, you have to break into the first team. It doesn't matter what you have to handle yourself. And I think that's where Lennon kind of failed that he didn't put his trust in these players. That's you know. Going to say there, Paul. See, we were signing these young players like Luca Connell that. At the time, think back two years ago, that Celtic did seem to have the young players were getting their chances. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? So at the time when they signed, it was probably a kind of an attractive opportunity. Massive club like Celtic, youth players get a chance there. You just look back over the years and see the players, the young players that have come on in the teams, even the mm-hmm. own players like Patrick Robertson, that how good they were for us. So you can see why these young players signed for us, but you can see why this guy's come out and said that that young boy's wasted. 18 months, two years his career and we've spoke about it umpteen times, there's something far, far wrong with it, Celtic I think maybe maybe it's under going back to what I said there, Mark, it was it's under the legend regime, like yeah, yeah. That he didn't put his trust in them like, That's what I mean. for these boys have signed this pathway that this pathway of young players getting into the team seems to have become narrower and narrower yeah. and only came through even to the young players Welch only gets placed in the team because of necessity and injuries and the situation with Duffy and that. Or see, if, see if young Welch in the, if that hadn't happened with Duffy and Julian. He wouldn't have got into the team. No chance he'd have seen young Welch play yeah. that season. And that would have been a shame because they'd have been sitting here now saying, oh, well, he's not broken into the team, should we keep him or just let him, do you know what I mean, let him move on? We never know. That's the thing as a young player. See, when you're a young player at a football club, you need to believe that you're going to get an opportunity. You're going to get an opportunity. You need to believe and have confidence that you're going to get an opportunity to to break into that first team. Because if you're at a club that you don't believe that there's going to be an opportunity there, it's pointless being there. And I think, you know, we've spoken about it before. That's why I think Celtic are losing young players to other clubs because they don't actually believe that under... You know the, the, the nourishment of, of Celtic and the development of Celtic. They're going to get an opportunity at first team, and that's that's a worry because you know it could the way things are going and the way things went. You know the last sort of two three years, uh, it could be the difference in a, somebody, a young player. That's what I was going to ask you, Barry. If we're approaching, we say as we always kind of went to Man City for their young players. Maybe Man City you know would turn around to Celtic as well. We've signed players from you from your youth system. We saw players leaving from your youth system. Obviously, there's something going on there. Why they're not getting game time? You know, clubs well, might want to keep their, their players to Celtic anymore, like because of this 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 situation that has happened with our youth system. Like when the young players have got when they're doing well, they're losing their place. They're mm-hmm. losing their place because so ex player so and so is fit again. Young players lost their place in the team of sorrow. I'd class him as a young player, young Montgomery. I don't know why he got dropped for that. You know, exactly. And it was just, it's just a bizarre situation to win at a club like Celtic. That, Even Ewan Henderson when he came in. I think yeah. his name there as well, Ewan Henderson. Just you know, he came on against Lille and he was fantastic. He was brilliant, but 
I don't, I don't even know if he played another minute after that. No. Just, like I say, it's something that needs very closely looked at and we need to get better at it because we are going to lose out on players coming to us because they don't actually believe that they're going to make it in the first team. So they think, well, you know what, I, I'd rather join a club where I see a, a path into that first team rather than come to Celtic. So that's, that's a job for you know the, the, the hierarchy to, to appoint somebody to oversee that. Henderson, sorry, before you move on. Like Barry and I was saying when he came on against Leo and stood at a mile, within a few weeks he got loaned it to Dunfermline. He only has a year left his contract, I believe, does he, Henderson? Henderson? Not even sure, but like you say, he's 21 now. Mm-hmm. At 21, if you're going to be a certain player, then normally by that age you should be established well within the first team. You shouldn't be getting loaned it to Dunfermline. Eh? But um, what I was saying earlier about Sterling getting a sign in and hopefully by Sunday. Um, I just got released in the last well few minutes that Celtic Postecoglou is basically gave the green light for Celtic to make a move for a a guy uh, called Patrick Berg. He's one of the best holding midfielders in Scandinavia just now. Yeah, he's so Kevy, Kevy, he's, he's been on about him a few times. And he posted in about him the night earlier on as well. It's like I said, it looks like like tonight Celtic have made the move to sign him. Yes. He's a Norwegian internationalist at 23. He's got four cups. He's one of the better. Uh, that's the kind of person looking at under. Never, never, heard never heard him. Has he been? Who did he play for in England? <laughs> <laughs> but that's the. We always seem to do well in Scandinavia, <laughs> didn't we? Did we? That's one one area we always kind of done well in was in was in Scandinavia. We always done well with top players. That's the kind of places we should be looking for players at. And, the smaller nations are in Europe. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? But you always find Scan- places. Scandinavia is a cracking market. I don't know why we don't go into it more often. See the amount of players that come out of there, you know, and go for small fees, one million, one mm-hmm. and a half million, to France, to Germany. You know, we I, I don't understand why we don't go in there often. But there you go. Not signing a me tongue team from Japan. <laughs> me trying to pronounce his name. <laughs> Like if they're going, to, if they're going, to, if going after guys like Patrick Berg, then that shows a sign of intent right away. Because, like it says, if guys want to do a bit of research on the guy, he's one of the most sought after holding midfielders in Europe just now. At his age. And what so, value was that? Is that that Michael? Does, does it say? I say the big money move. Like he'll not be cheap, like. Uh, but, uh, don't you think maybe the transfer market is is it a place where we we look at Barry uh, Celtic? Considering the pandemic uh, this year, do you think they'd look at the the, the the free transfer market, Celtic? Without a doubt, yeah. I mean, you've got to. Of course, you know there is bargains out there. There's guys who have come to the end of their contract. They're being released. You know, I I, see, I I quite look at it quite closely, especially in the English one. Mm-hmm. There's one guy that I, without a doubt, would take a stab on. Uh, he's just been released from uh, I think it's middle is it Middlesbrough, Bratislava Longo. Mm-hmm. He, he's a striker Celtic were linked to him about two or three years ago there's an absolute goal scorer he is an absolute goal scorer that guy he would score buckets of goals uh, up in Scotland and he's just been actually released uh, from Middlesbrough so you know that's just an example but you've got to I mean especially in Celtic's climate you know in the Scottish climate you know we don't have money to go and sign 10-15 million pound players so you really have to have you know, your eye on that, you know, Bosman market, p- players coming to the end of their contracts. That, that should be something that we're having a close look at. But there's no doubt you can pick up gems from players that have been released. 
Mark, do you want to uh, get that before we finish up? Yeah, Celtic should be looking at that, definitely. As Barry says here, there's plenty of bargains you can be picked, that can be picked up in the free transfer market. Especially, see the bigger teams doing in England, doing that. They'll be shedding a lot of younger... Do you know what I mean? See what I'm talking about? Well, I suppose. But they'll be shedding a lot of, like, 20, 22-year-old players and that. It's definitely something we should be looking at. Mm-hmm. So, folks, that's all tonight. Uh, my thanks to Barry and Michael. Uh, as we said, Big Ange has been appointed as Celtic manager. Let the rebuild begin. And as Michael said, it's exciting times ahead. My thanks to you in the live chat, Mark. Thanks very much again for everything you do, Paul. Good bad for joining us, everybody in live chat. Thanks again. It's great. You've shown some amount of support. We're up at uh, 400 and. 32 subs or something like that now absolutely fantastic thanks again for all your support lads hail hail good night god bless cheers guys night lads Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win, and support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc., 